Welcome back to the Trifecta Soft Podcast. I'm your host, E-Rock. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, so you never miss another podcast. Also, do me a favor. Go on to whatever podcast app you listen to us on and give us a rating and review. That really helps us rank in the searches. Thank you so much. Let's get into the podcast. Nice to finally meet you, Matt. Yeah, Matt, Eric. <laughs> nice to finally meet you, Eric. Yeah, you too, brother. That is a uh, cool background. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm sitting in my gun room right now. I'll show you the rest of it, but it's pretty destroyed. So it's uh, <laughs> our one out of the few times of the year when we're all doing maintenance. So. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, wintertime, man. Yeah. So, so are, you in the, are you in Florida? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought I saw that on your guys' uh, uh, either a YouTube channel or your, your uh, Instagram that you guys were in Florida. Yeah. So we, we've been running in Florida um, six years now. So that's how long we've been around. Nice. So. Okay. What about yourself? Where are you playing at? South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Yeah. I was going to say, we at least come up by you at least twice a year. <laughs> well, the one video I watched, uh, I don't, I can't remember how I found you. I think it was on Instagram. And uh, I think it was your uh, might've been your Instagram profile. And, uh, I saw you had a YouTube link there. So I clicked on it and I watched one of the videos that was from a game you played in, uh, here in South Carolina, right? Yeah. So we play over, uh, yeah, we have Firestorm and then we go and play, uh, what's the other one? Stonebreaker. Yeah. So over at GTI. Oh shit. That's funny, man. Because, uh, that's where, you know, Stonebreaker, these guys, you know, our guys on our team have been, uh, played there the last, you know, two years. And, uh, that's their favorite place to play is uh, GTI. Oh yeah. Gorgeous AO. Absolutely yeah. gorgeous AO. Not yeah. to mention that crazy hole in the center too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we, uh, we dropped a couple glow sticks down there, man. And they're just gone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a cool setup because, uh, you know, they get there, it's a, a really big field outside and then you got the indoor stuff. That's like that. It, some of the stuff in the basement is like a scene from a horror film, you know, you got all the pipes running down there, you know, it's like a abandoned, uh, or an old nuclear reactor factory or whatever it was, you know, uh, it looks really cool. Oh yeah. Definitely a nice setup. So and yeah. I love all the JTF stuff that they throw out there too. So yep. I mean, the night vision games absolutely was an absolute blast. I can't even tell you. you know, <laughs> using hydro charges and stuff on doors, you know, it's just stuff you don't see on a regular airsoft game. I remember the first time these guys went there, uh, they did part of the stuff inside, and they were like, "We were deaf for like two days because <laughs> people dropping grenades down the stairwells." <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, it definitely goes with the hearing, especially in this sport, man. I'm deaf in this ear right here. <laughs> All right. So I got stuck in a room back in, like, 2012. We were at uh, Operation Irene, flipped a table that was in there, got behind it, and they threw, like, six grenades in, and just the constant just blew out the oh, ground completely. Yeah. So, but, yeah, no, fun time. I mean, if you're going to lose your hearing, at least it's took out the two guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I know. I remember the first time. I ever uh, experienced that kind of, you know, hearing loss or whatever in one ear. I was in boot camp and, uh, you know, we had the little 
the old, I mean, I was back in 89 and, uh, we had the old, uh, or yellow, you know, spongies, you know, just kind of, well, they're giving us the, the range coaches are giving us commands on the, on the firing line. I can't hear shit. You know, they're like this far down trying to talk to a hundred guys. And I'm like, so I pulled one out, you know, I think it was my right one to hear the commands. And then I didn't have enough time to put it in when they start, when they said, start firing. So this guy on the right of me, I mean, it was just so fucking loud. You know, the M16, we were using the uh, M16A2s and it's such a a high pitched kind of like crack. You know, a 12 gauge is like that boom, you know, it doesn't really, I mean, it hurt, you know, it doesn't really hurt your ears. It's loud, but it doesn't like make it ring for hours. Yeah. And uh, we're shooting, you know, I don't know how many rounds on this first set before I could, uh, you know, push it back in. I was like, dude, I was deaf for like three days, <laughs> like turning my head this way to like, listen, you know, for commands like, dude, this is crazy. Oh yeah, man. I, I say I lose my hearing probably at least two or three times a year, you know, and we go to six or seven milsims a year. So I, I wish I'd keep up with the video footage, man. I just, I got so much content. I just can't, I can't keep up. Bro. Well, you know, I know because when you have gameplay footage, you'll have, I mean, you're recording everything. So, yeah. and then the GoPro records at such a high, you know, quality that you put it in your computer. It's a huge file. I mean, yeah. gigs and gigs and gigs of, of uh, footage. And so it takes a long time to render. And then, then you have to, you know, start working on it and you've got all, you know, hours and hours of video and you're only getting, <laughs> you know, two to four minutes out of each section of, you know, 20 or whatever minutes. I think a GoPro is like 17 minutes and something seconds before it splits it. It's a weird, weird number. I don't know why it does that, but yeah. Oh, especially a lot of our footage is team footage. So, I mean, I have to look through all their heads, all their head cam footage, all their gun cam footage. I have to match it all up. You know, not Oh, you edit the theirs? Yeah. On most oh, of our Milton footage, it's actually mine and my boys. And we'll do a lot of synchronized stuff. So you'll see the camera switch off and you'll see the call sign in the corner change a lot. Yep. And I mean, it's like 40 hours of footage every time we go to a Milsom. Oh, so my God. I'll get rendered. Bro. Listen, <laughs> I thought I had a lot with these guys. I'm, I'm telling you. And the thing is, uh, the video I watched from your uh, Firestorm one, uh, that's what caught my attention, actually, when I was clicking through some of your videos, was how you edited the uh the, the gamer tag or, you know, the call sign tag above each of your guys' heads as the camera changed and it floated with them. Yeah. I was like, how the fuck did you do that? The, so like, that's, that's literally second by second. I'm, I'm going frame per get frame. Get out of here. That per frame. So I, I kind of average it out to like 40, like 40 to 50 frames and I'll just oh slowly move it across God. frame. It looks fucking awesome. I mean, it looks like it's built into the software. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. It's a holy it's a long time shit. To get that right. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Holy hell. Okay. So, because I was looking to doing that at some of our older videos, I was like, maybe I'll go back and try to do some of that. But I wonder, I was going to ask you on this, you know, when I asked you to uh, be on the podcast, I was going to ask you that if you had some kind of software that, you know, did that automatically or if you no. did that. No, no, that's not software. So, uh, Holy shit. Now, Max, Max, do have a software for that. 
which yeah. is cool. And Dan, you know, I don't own a Mac. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't either. So I'm using a Corral X10. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. It's between Tom. that and like uh, Sony Vegas. Those are the two big top tier editing systems. Gotcha. Um, I use Corel. Unfortunately, it's all frame by frame. There's no real program for that. Yeah. Where with the Mac there is, you can actually lock it in, kind of like if you're using a drone that is using like um, like the face recognition to like follow oh, you. Okay. So they have the same program for that, and it'll follow you with that. And my, I'm actually we're talking on my my editing iPad, and there's a software on that as well for backup where it does do something similar to that, but it's not very accurate. It's real choppy. Yeah. You know, if you see some of my older footage with it, it's a little bit more choppy because I was doing it like two, three frames right. where, you know, now it's just, you got to do a frame by frame. Otherwise it looks like garbage. Yeah. Well, a jump, right? Yeah. So yeah, it, dude, I commend you for that kind of work into that. I mean, cause you're talking like, less than a minute of footage on some of these guys, you know, uh, where you put that call sign above their head. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I, uh, I, I had spent so many hours on editing and trying to get things right, you know, just lined up and everything. And, uh, so when I saw that, I was like, fuck man, that looks cool as shit. I gotta see, I gotta see what he's using. Yeah. You're doing that manual. Awesome. <laughs> For real. And actually most of the overlays are all like that too, especially with the hit markers and all that, you know, that's yeah. those hit markers take up like three frames yep. and I'm going through and I'm literally following the BB to the exact point where it hit yep. in the hit marker right there. Right. I mean, it makes it realistic. It shows the viewer a little bit, you know, where the actual shot's going. You know, right. Gun cams aren't always reliable either. You know, they don't always pick up everything and they're right. really tricky sometimes. You could have the top, top tier, you know, gun cam, you can buy. All right. I use a run cam too. Yeah. The issue is, is especially in close quarters, it doesn't pick up the BB no. as well. It gets fuzzy. It's trying to focus. Yep. And it, you know, people will say, oh, well, you're running a gun cam. You know, well, cool. And not only that, you're but lighting. Yeah. So <laughs> lighting is a big deal. Like it's a, you know, if it's not perfect lighting, it is, uh, you know, it's not going to focus on the right thing at the right time. <laughs> so you go to that one frame that you're looking for where it hits and it's fucking blurry. Like, Oh shit. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. Especially here in Florida, it's sunny everywhere. So like trying to shoot through a window sometimes it's like, right. Oh, you can be perfectly inside. You can't see anything outside that window. It's just absolutely yep. white. real hard to get footage in a lot of our fields like that because of yeah. like BTA here, it's all Conix boxes. So you're walking inside oh, okay. boxes, can't see nothing out. Well, you have spent some time editing. Holy shit. <laughs> All that gameplay footage. Yeah, that's a, uh, I mean, it's a lot of work. I, I was talking to um, somebody recently and uh, we were talking, they have a YouTube channel and we were talking about the difference between, you know, uh, posting like pictures and stuff on Instagram. Like, you know, you have your airsoft Instagram page, you're just posting pictures or little short videos, yeah. uh, like the reels and stuff. And then, you know, that's really easy to get, you know, to get traction on Instagram, right? Like get a bunch of followers, you follow, they follow, they, you know, you tag somebody or you, you know, just a, uh, a hashtag or whatever. Now go start a YouTube channel. That's some fucking work, bro. <laughs> it's a lot of work, man. I mean, it really is compared to all the other social medias we have. 
it just it doesn't get touched. And uh, you know, you spend so much time making footage. Uh, you know, at one point in time, I had to decide. You know, was it worth making the footage for yeah. my viewers, or was it worth doing it for my team? Because a lot of it is edits of my teammates, and it's a lot of edits of you know all of us together and the adventures that we have on these milsims. And um, you know, that's what I really made it for. I wanted to make it special for them. You know, whether the YouTube page got big or not, you know, it, it, it was worth it for them. You know. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Skirmish, the future of Airsoft gameplay management. Are you ready to take Airsoft to the next level? Skirmish's innovative gameplay solution keeps players and spectators engaged with real-time updates. Capture objectives, detonate targets, medic, and more at Skirmish-enabled fields. Skirmish tracks every action so you don't have to. Review past games, action by action, and follow your progress in national rankings. Phones are not required. If you want to find out more, head to skirmish.net and check out episode 157 of this podcast where I talk with the owner of Skirmish about how it started and how it works. Stay connected, my friends. Yeah, that's a really common thing I found with uh, most most air softwares I've talked to is uh, they if they spend time doing, you know, the YouTube channel whatever, they're they're in it for uh, the content, you know, they're, they're into it for, uh, their passion, you know, and their guys, you know, so that's, or their team, whatever. It's, uh, it's something that it's, it, it really is a labor of love. I hate, you know, I kind of hate that saying, but <laughs> it really is because you gotta, you gotta put so much effort into it. And, uh, the YouTube thing, there's not an easy way to search. Like you, you have to tag everyone. Or like I guess send an invite or what you know a link or whatever to ev- everyone that you know for them to be able to see it uh, because especially lately sometimes even people that originally you know subscribe to your channel and click that bell uh, whenever there's I, I don't know what it is but I've had so many people on our Discord that have uh, said, you know, they've been following us since the beginning for, you know, two and a half years. And they're like, uh, I don't get notifications on YouTube anymore. Like I go in there and I click the bell and when I uh, release a video, it comes up on our, uh, we have a bot that runs the uh, Discord that it links to it. So everyone will get tagged uh, in our Discord that we released a new video, but they won't get a notification on YouTube. It's, it's funny you say that because I would say you messaged me through YouTube, you know, to begin with all this. Yep. And uh, I didn't get any. I don't get any of my messages from any of my viewers that are on YouTube. I have to physically go into my actual notifications on YouTube to even see that. And, I mean, if I don't know that they're coming in, I don't I don't necessarily check it. You know, right. I, get, I still get notified about subscribers, which is, you know, fine and dandy and all. But the messages, completely not. And unless yes. I physically see it on you know, the video itself, I don't, I have no idea. And I mean, that's why it took so long to get back to you. And I've been having the similar thing with the messages going to message requests on Instagram too. Oh which yeah. Is, you know, where I didn't see your message. I was waiting for it. And I was like, yeah, oh, well, I mean, I have no idea what's in my message request. Most of the time it's these, it's all spam, bro. It's <laughs> patch companies from over patches from you know? Afghanistan. Like, bro, I'm not going to order from your, or Pakistan. I think it is. Yeah. I'm not going to order from your, Shit, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not my patch guy. He's um, uh, what is it? It's uh, he's out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
Okay. So, I mean, I order everything for, through him. It's Badger Defense Company. You know, nice. uh, he's, to be honest, he's a little slow, but he does a great job. His yeah. matches all come out perfect. I never have an issue. They never tear nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, he's really the only person I've ever gone to. You know, yeah, we uh, when we started looking at different companies to make you know some of our like logo stuff, whatever. It was uh, so the patch one we use is Monterey. They're in uh, California. You know, U.S. company that's been around for a while, uh, good background, and you know a lot of the things that they support are uh, are really good. Uh, you know, that's what we wanted. So all the things that you know, like this glass, um, I had custom made, you know, etched, uh, that's a company, I think it's in Wisconsin, but, uh, you know, somewhere here in the U S smaller company, but they do great work. We had, uh, you know, knives and engraved, they, they do everything, you know, and, uh, we always tried to stick with U S companies for, you know, all our different merch. And, uh, so I get all those requests as well on our Instagram for, Oh, patch this and patch that. And I'm like, and it has their number or address or something like that. No, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, uh, I did the same thing. I, um, I never looked at those requests on Instagram because there were so many spam things. And yeah. then, uh, I finally, uh, recently started looking at them because I did have like two in the last, I don't know, two weeks or whatever that were legit people that knew some of the guys I've done a podcast with. I was like, Oh shit, I better start checking this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel bad. Cause I mean, I got a lot of uh, viewers and subscribers that come up to me. Oh, how'd you do that with your gear? You know, how uh, my biggest one, how'd you make your mask? <laughs> I, I get that all the time, man. I, I really? get 20 or 30 of those messages a week. They're like, Oh, where'd you buy it? You know, how'd you make it? Blah, blah, blah. And I just sit there and it's just like, well, I mean, I can tell you, <laughs> or, you know, I can make one for you too, which whatever you want to do, you know, and it's, it's not too hard to do. It's, but everybody that tries making it, they, uh, go to get the, the bones for it. It's yeah. made out of tiger skull. So it's not like the easiest thing in the world to get. And it, of course it's not real, but it's the resin itself. And it's a real pain in the ass to really get a hold of. So you make the, I, I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen seniors. Uh, yeah. so I actually make all the masks on my team. So I hand make uh, all of them. So, uh, Anybody that you see, especially with these gold patches, yeah, those are all my uh, main operators that have been on the team for you know five plus years. And I, I do one mask for all of them. They come up with the idea. I make it all. I, uh, whenever I make them, I usually post you know a photo of them or something like that, and people will ask. But uh, yeah, here, give me one second. I'll grab it. Yeah, I want to see one. I'm sure I'll recognize it from the uh, video, but oh shit, bro! So you make that. Yes, everything on this is all handmade. Uh, you made the mold? No, so the mold itself is just bone uh, resin. So gotcha, I buy gotcha. the bone resins from wherever in China. Comes yeah. to me, yeah, I, cu I cut it all up. It does look super realistic. It feels super realistic. It's even hollow, almost like it is real. Yeah. And you can see you know, where it was molded and shaped out. But um, <laughs> funnier yet, this, this isn't dirt or anything like that. When I was actually making this one. I cut my hand, and it bled all over the mask. <laughs> Holy so, like, shit! When I first took it to the field, I tried washing it off, and a lot of it didn't come out because there's so many of these little pockets on it. Right. And the kid goes, oh, I love the blood effect. And my buddy goes, oh, no, that's real. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid just looked at us all funny. And I was just like, yeah, well, he's not lying. 
So. <laughs> oh, that is cool, man. Oh, that is definitely personalized with your DNA. <laughs> oh, my buddies always joke about it they're like oh yeah the blood's all you know definitely real and every kid that ever asks they, you know they talk about the blood yeah <laughs> that's but, pretty cool <laughs> man so damn you're into all that so you do all the editing uh for your team you make the patches or order them uh did, who came up with the uh design for your patch logo Oh, we actually, we had a photographer when we first started. He came up, he, you know, he wanted to start the Jackals. You know, he's like, oh, Anubis, you know, here's here's the logo. He just found it somewhere random. Nobody yeah. claimed it, you know, or anything like that, especially when we turned it, you know, go, went through the process of doing the LLC. And right. he actually made this design first, which was the red, white, and blue. Yep. The popular. This, this patch usually sells out the quickest. Um, it's the one we hand out a lot when we uh, go out to Milsom's and stuff like that. Yeah, and then last year I ended up make or no, it was two years ago. I ended up going out of my way and I made this one for my team, which it's a gold patch, and that only goes to my guys that have been on the team for over two years or take a specialty position on the team. So like, yeah. um, you know, built their kit 100% for grenadier or you know sniping, DMR, field specialist, breaching, you know, stuff like that. That's so, pretty cool. That gold one it reminds me of a uh, symbol in. Uh, I think it's Destiny. Oh, Destiny yeah. 2. <laughs> it looks cool. Yeah, it's a good design. Thanks. Yeah, um, I mean, we don't really do too much merchandise or anything like that. You know, we don't really yeah. try making any money. Um, even our sponsors, were, I mean, we're sponsored by Mere Tactical and X-Fog. I try keeping it real low-key. Oh, I shit. try helping them out as much as I absolutely can. Right. Especially saying we're, we're Mere Tactical's pro team. You know, I, I play CO at their events here in the South. Um, you know, being tan faction strictly, uh, you know, anything that's tan faction, I'll help them out with green faction. Yeah. Otherwise we have a lot of good contacts with green faction out here. I always like making sure that we pick, you know, somebody good to be the CEO on that side that definitely plays well. Uh, okay. We had a team named Nemesis out here that played as green faction at uh, their most recent game in December, which was at the prison that everybody mm -hmm. loves coming to Florida to play at. Um, yeah. But it, it's, and that's a gorgeous AO too. It's going to be happening again this year. Haven't gotten a date yet, but it's going to be in December. Okay. And, uh, we'll be bringing in some vehicles and stuff this year too. There'll be a lot more technicals. Uh, nice. The chopper, of course, is there like always. Yeah. I mean, being up in there is fun. All right. Any any milsome that I can be up in there, man. It, it's the smile on my face never leaves. The second I, I sit <laughs> on that bench, man, it's, it's like feeling like a little kid. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you if you were up on a chopper. It oh, was. Yeah. Every time, man. I, I got some video footage of it as well on YouTube, you know, especially landing up on the building and doing all the clearing. You know, it's to me, that's awesome. And to be able to land on top of a building, breach through the top of the building, yeah. do all those missions is an absolute blast. Especially these, these JTF missions, man. It's huge in the South. And yeah. I honestly hope it gets bigger out in the North because, I mean, you guys are missing out. This is a black. You know, yeah. to be able to use real explosives to be able to repel. You know, to be able to do convoys with different vehicles, especially aerial vehicles, all the way to, you know, heavy assault vehicles. Yeah. It's a blast. It really is. Dude, that is crazy. Yeah, I thought we had some big ones over here at uh, GTI, you know, with the Humvees and the, you know, they, they have a, a helicopter as well at theirs yeah. that you can buy a ticket for and ride along. Uh, I don't know how long it, you know, the ride is, but, uh, you know, they switch off players and stuff. Yeah, it's it's really cool. 
Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen any of the, that kind of footage on my side, definitely check it out. Those JTF missions with the helicopter, it's, it's one, it's unforgettable. You get the chance yeah. to do it 100%. You need to do it. So it, it's an absolute blast. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. I know these guys, uh, <clears throat> they always want to do the uh, helicopter, and uh, they never bought the ticket for it. Oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. So they were excited about it, but they didn't pay the extra money to get the uh, the chopper rides. <laughs> I was like, you got to go on there. Oh, yeah. If, if you're even thinking about it, the second that you're on it, you will not regret it, 100%. And these chopper pilots are awesome chopper pilots. Yeah. You know, the two that we run here in the South usually are the same pilots that run all over the United States, or, well, up to the Midwest, anyways. Right. And, I mean, they're absolutely phenomenal pilots. They'll get you as low as you want. They'll take, you know, control areas. They'll take commands. You can point it out. They'll give you radio frequencies. You yeah. know, you, you want to spend time in just one area, they'll do it for you. You know, they're, they're real assault pilots. So, I mean, they're going to bring you as close as you need to be. And, uh, yeah, the uh, <clears throat> one of the uh, events they went to, they uh, they said they were on top of a roof. So they got up to the top of this roof on the building at GTI. And uh, they were trying to hold down this, uh, you know, area, whatever, or station. And this chopper came around this the top part of the higher part of the building, like just came over and swooped down. And, like, they hardly have any cover up there. You know, there's a couple little, like, uh, building, you know, parts with doors and stuff and where they could hide around. And this thing was lower. It was like, they said, man, it was so low and getting so close to us. Like we were getting annihilated <laughs> and it just kept circling around. I was like, Oh man, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when the people in the chopper running, you know, HPA LMGs and right. barrel tagging grenade launchers, you know, they're not messing around. <laughs> I mean, we, we got a real famous clip that we released on TikTok, which, honestly really helped our follower base when the oh, okay. first came out really but it, we were just hovering over this it was a it was a bug a volkswagen bug with a minigun on it. <laughs> and the driver's in there and I, i'm telling my buddy zuki i'm like hey i'm gonna take out the driver you take him out with the tag and we'll take out the whole vehicle so we're, we're flying over the top of him and i just sit there just three rounds right inside of this driver right here while he's driving and then, oh shit boom, Chalk round hits this Volkswagen, blows over the top of it. Amazing <laughs> though. <laughs> oh, I'll have to check that out, man. Yeah, I haven't seen that. So it's our chopper footage is a lot of fun, man. You know, it's I see a lot of other chopper footage where the people are just sitting there, you know, they're doing some things from up top. Yeah. You know, I do the full editing just like I do with any of my other gameplay footage with the right. chopper footage, and it just comes out awesome. That is cool. Yeah, the the one I remember, like Airsoft Alphonse, he does a lot of chopper stuff. And he's always got that LMG, you know, where he's just fucking unloading on tons of people from the uh, chopper. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, these guys, you know, I have chopper footage from their GoPro usually running away from the chopper. <laughs> yeah, trying to get away from it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I tell all my guys, if, if you hear the chopper and it is coming close to you, find cover. It's not worth it. I mean, one, you can't shoot yep. it. It's You can't. It's a war right, crime, right. it's illegal, you could right. you know, do damage to the actual aircraft. Right. So, I mean, just hide. You don't got to be yep. near it. If you, can't, if you don't see it and you hear it coming, just run. Yeah. He so, keeps everybody alive. We're talking about uh, Alphonse and, you know, other oh, yeah. airsoft pro players that go out there and do footage. You'd be surprised. Once you start really editing gameplay footage, I mean, getting very in-depth with it, it really destroys a 
lot of other people's footage that you watch. Because yeah. you can you can tell what's BS and you can tell what's actual hits. And you can tell what's edited and what's cut. And uh, I mean it really makes it hard because I, I grew up watching gameplay. You know, I, I was watching like Team Rainbow and uh other teams that were out there that were just showing these amazing gameplay footage and you know cool ideas that really inspired me to play. Yeah. And now I'm I'm finding it hard to find other people that I like watching because either one, their content is just so incredibly overloaded with crap mm-hmm. or it's, you know, not very exciting. So, I mean, there's a couple of UK players that I absolutely adore watching, you know, uh, kicking Mustang, absolutely right. phenomenal footage. Right. You know, he does very little cut edit- editing. He only right. edits out what he has or what he liked out of that one gameplay area. Yep. And Aladdin, the scope can footage. To me, that it's very realistic. You see the beat, you see where it hits. It's very cool. Yep. You know, no matter what, you know, BS people talk about it. You know, I, I think that's really clean. Or uh, even this guy is uh, JD Airsoft, I believe it is. I, I might be saying it wrong. Mm. But a European player, phenomenal CQB player. You know, really? goes around, has a great time. He has a field that's in like, this three story building that's his home field. Um, doesn't usually go against many players, probably like 20, 30 people on a field. Yeah. But, uh, very good kills. He does repelling. He does, uh, a lot, a lot of repelling, a lot of repelling, a lot of really? stuff. And it's really interesting to watch because it's a different type of CQB, a lot more right. faster pace, um, dangerous. I mean, absolutely dangerous. He's done stuff where he <laughs> literally will jump onto a rope, swing around a corner and get into a building. Holy stuff shit! Like that, it, that absolutely blows my mind. I mean, you're playing airsoft, but you're also still two stories above the ground. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! That is cool. So there, there's some good editors out there. There's, there's people that come out with some really good content. Right. A, a lot of content is really rough right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the majority of it. Well, even even the basic stuff like unboxings. Uh, you know, there's so many that are just like they lay their phone on the floor you know, two inches from their box. And it's just, you know, you if you have earbuds in, you're watching it like at work or something like that. It's just this huge loud, you know, with cutting the box open and pulling this paper out. Like, bro, can you please edit the audio <laughs> to where it's all like level, you know? Uh, and then they're talking is so low. Uh, the, the camera's falling over and they don't edit that out. I'm like, and listen, I'm not one to talk because the audio sometimes, like, this mic is shit, you know? I need to get a new mic. and uh, But I do take the extra time to, uh, when I edit these uh, podcasts, whatever, most of the time, I'll remember to take the time to, like, clean up the audio where there's, you know, not a whole lot of background noise. One of the services I use to uh, post it, it has a built-in uh, audio editor as well that cleans up noise and whatever. So yeah, makes everything level, you know, and especially gameplay. I was talking to somebody uh, last week that, uh, you know, if you don't have um, like a scope cam, even for regular skirmishes or whatever, you know, if you're out woodland or, you know, anything farther than like 20 feet, if you're just using the, uh, the GoPro on your helmet, it does not capture you know, the intense moments that you want it to capture. It just doesn't unless you're like 
unless you have a lot of action stuff where you're like on the go, on the go, on the go, you know, running, sliding, you know, you can see your gun pulling up this and that, but uh, most of it's not. And so they're standing in a little, you know, makeshift building outside of a window and their GoPro catches. You can see the guy they're shooting at, but you can't see anything else. And most of the time, you know, what's in their video, you can't even see them getting hit or if they got hit. <laughs> so you're like, uh, where's the good parts? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and a lot of it's uh, it's overdrawn. You know, you're seeing a lot yeah. of just moving and moving and moving, stopping, talking, moving. And it's, it's, it's boring. You know, it really yeah. is. And it's, it's something I, I personally did a lot. A lot of my real older footage, you know, I was doing 15 minute footage where I could have. I could have made it seven minutes, you know? Yeah. And that's really just not something somebody wants to watch. You know, I wouldn't want to watch myself staring at a wall, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for real. But uh, camera-wise, I mean, it, it actually, a lot of people are using 4K cameras, all right? Yep. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's fine and dandy. You get amazing picture quality. But 4K actually has an issue picking up the VB a lot, yeah. a lot more than it would with 1080p running 60 frames a second. Don't I don't know what it is. Don't know the science behind it. You know, my, yeah. my boys run every camera you can think of. But I always tell them, put it to 1080p at 60 frames. It picks yep. up the BB nicer. And honestly, you see a little bit more where the 4K really takes the surroundings and focus more on the surroundings right. as much as the distance. I was just going to say that. Yeah, the 4K is great for, like, environment. Uh, or if there's good lighting and you're capturing somebody, you know, like you're talking to somebody, whatever, it's really crystal clear. But uh, the environment, it's vibrant, you know, especially if there's a lot of color, you know, if it's spring or summer and there's a lot of greens, you know, with the trees and the brush and the grass. And uh, but, yeah, the action stuff is not it's not that great on 4K. We uh, we try using 4K on the cameras. And one I put them side by side when I put them in the editing and I couldn't tell the difference from the 1080 to the 4k. Now, maybe it was my monitor. Maybe it was the editing program. I don't know, but, uh, I was like, dude, it's not worth it because it took like 10 times longer for me to, you know, load it, edit it, you know, cause it's such a huge file. That's mentioned like, if you're rendering it in 4k and then you go to edit it, it's going to be a nightmare for your computer. All right, you could have an amazing editing computer. Yep. And it's still going to be choppy. All right. Yep. Your computer is taking so much of a beating by yep. cutting that into frames. I mean, you're just beating the absolute hell out of your computer. Yeah. So it, yeah, when you put it in your editing program, it, you know, it takes whatever time to, you know, kind of optimize or render that. Then once you start cutting, every single cut you do, or you drag and drop, you know, a text overlay or whatever, you know, a title or something like that. It is, uh, it just adds and adds and adds. And then you try to keep cutting and the more cut, I remember doing a, uh, the first gameplay video they did and this was, uh, you know, GoPro footage. It wasn't 4k, but it was, you know, it was still, uh, larger files than what I was getting from the regular videos I did on my phone. And, uh, I was like, dude, I can't even edit this. Like I, I literally had to go in put the whole video in, cut it in, in like four sections, take the other ones out, export that first one, then load it back in just as that smaller one. And then I could actually work on it because as I started cutting, 
my computer was, it was just longer and longer and longer. I said, and then I would try to like, you know, just cut out this tiny little, you know, just drag the, uh, the line back and forth, like to get the, the scene just right. And my computer would go in the software would just be like loading, loading. Like I couldn't see the screen loading. I was like, bro. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to go to lunch. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) And to be honest, this is how my whole setup starts. This is before I even go into cutting anything. Okay. So with Corel X10, when I drag, when I pull up the files and I pull the videos that I want to use for editing, okay. The second it goes into Corel, it starts rendering it in less than 1080p. It could be 4K, but it's going to start rendering it in less than 1080. And that's easier for me to edit. Right, and, and it could be 4K footage. It could be 5K footage from a 360 cam. Yep. And it'll still render it lower, which, I mean, it's fine and dandy. All it's, When you're editing, it's usually on a small screen anyway. So, I mean, really, right. what's, what's matter? But it takes legitimately between three and four hours for it to break down into that. So, and I mean, I'm just sitting here with a list of whatever I'm working, and it just... Boom, boom, boom through those three hours. And it's just like, finally, now I can actually. <laughs> so then I spend, you know, four or five hours editing. <laughs> yes. It's, but it spends a whole day, you know, it's a whole day for 15 minutes of footage. Yep. You know, so. It is. that That's, uh, you know, gameplay footage. I think, uh, you know, as far as our channel, like the, uh, the unboxings, those are, uh, those have been pretty easy because. Early on, we uh, we would forget to stop the camera, you know, pause it or whatever uh, in between. So I'd have like an hour of video because we're like moving boxes around because there was four of us doing, you know, we each had our own mystery box. So all the in-between time and stuff. Uh, so I'd have an hour to, of video to load into my program. I was like, whoa, this is fucking – because – our unboxing videos were like five minutes, bro. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, no, no, we got to remember to hit the pause button on my camera. Okay. Because, uh, this is fucking crazy how much, you know, stuff I have to do to get, you know, five minutes out of this, uh, unboxing. So cause you know, we, Oh, where's this or, Hey, let's uh, set this up. Or while we're moving stuff around, we knock something over and we got to set it up, you know, wherever. But, uh, those are probably the easiest ones we've had to edit. The uh, gameplay footage is uh, is really intense uh, as far as you know the work on your computer and the work on you. Uh, it is a w- way more because you have to go through so many you know minutes or hours of footage to find those you know ten or twenty second or thirty second spots of action because you, twenty minutes you might have you know a firefight only lasts like thirty seconds you know typically. Yeah. So sometimes less. <laughs> it depends on what kind of player you are too. Not everybody yeah. likes being in the front lines of just absolute carnage all right. day. And it gets tiring. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like a lot of the stuff we do, we're pushing all the way through. You know, my, me and my guys do really good on doing flanks. So, I mean, we'll get all the way to their spawn and we'll hold them at their spawn for sometimes hours. And what people don't understand is hours of amazing kills is cool, but Hours of amazing kills in one spot is boring as hell to watch. Boring, bro. It's so boring. So I'll usually just be like, oh, there's like 10 kills right here. And then that I might have been there hours. I might have been there two hours. But those are just the 10 kills I want you yep. to see. Because it's nobody wants to see me just sit there and just 
you know, shred people either. And yeah. I don't like doing that. It's, I don't use full auto. It's not a big thing I like using. My minigun gets used maybe twice a year. It's currently <laughs> going on our technical because I, I don't use it enough. Yeah. Uh, we're building a, I have an 08 Super Duty that we're turning into a technical. What is that? What's that? What's the uh, 08 Super Duty? I've never heard of it. Oh, no. no. Ford Super Duty? Yeah. yeah oh, your truck. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, to oh, oh. I thought you were talking about the uh, minigun. I was like, what kind of oh, minigun no. is this? <laughs> no, no. I, I just got a classic army micro. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. It's, uh, this year, I'm going to throw uh, four precision barrels in it. and I believe nice. I'm going to flat hop it, which is cool. So I'm going to oh, try okay. getting a little bit more range because, it honestly, it's inaccurate as hell. Yeah. It's like shooting a Nerf gun at people. Most you know, I've had little kids be like, wow, is that it? You know, like. <laughs> and they it's like, oh, okay. You it's know, like a little springer. Yeah, there's people that literally don't call their hits, and it's just like it's it's a great concept of a rifle, but it's, it's not all that impressive. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's so scary." Well, it's it's really not. <laughs> well, it looks it looks cool as shit. Uh, we've never fired one. That's one of the ones we haven't had. So we've done the uh, tag ends, you know, different snipers, uh, full auto, pretty much everything else, and shotguns and stuff. But uh, the uh, mini guns, we've never never messed with so if, if you're gonna do it the hpa one all right not the new electric one this new electric one the stats are trash uh not not to talk poorly about classic yeah. army but the, the stats are horrendous i couldn't really? imagine spending the more money on an electric one to have a quarter of the stats to me that that makes no sense right where the hpa one i mean okay so you have to buy a tank and a line and a, a tank line and right who cares all right yeah but those can be transferred to another gun anytime and it's an LMG. And to right. me, I'm not an HPA player. I don't like HPA as much as other people. I'm a big AEG fan. I do, I've do. i done custom work for nine years at this point. I yeah. love AEGs. But, I mean, with an LMG, it makes sense. With DMRs, it makes sense. All right? You're not moving a lot. It doesn't really matter. You know, you're going to be getting better stats, better accuracy with HPA anyways, too. Right. It's just, it's inevitable. So for the, for the minigun, it really makes sense to have it as HPA. Now, if it does have the screw-in spot, you can buy the green gas cans that are like 14 inches long, these big, huge green gas cans that screw into it. And I'm not going to lie, it has way scarier stats. Really? Green gas can screwed into it than I've ever seen my regulator push. Huh. So, I mean, I had to have gotten 100 more FPS. It was shooting just absolute lasers, and it had a way more of an aggressive pop to it, too. And That's crazy. Blew my mind. I, I really only I keep a can around just to lube everything up on the inside. Yeah, because green gas has the different oils in it, and it, it just keeps it clean. But it it's definitely the way to go. You know, if so you're you can you can buy a green gas can that actually has a screw top on it. Yep, and no literally shit. screws right into it. And yeah, because like brands that it's not just we got like this is uh, one of the recent ones that look, we got. Right That's kind of big. Look at the end of the nozzle, right? There. Does that have a screw? Pop? Oh shit! It does. That fits in the minigun. I never noticed that, bro. Yeah. Holy shit! That's cool. So several brands do it. And it's, yeah. It's a cool concept because I mean, if you don't have HPA, just screw it in there. It'll last. I mean, it lasts me like four games. Holy cow! Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we uh, we looked at uh, getting a minigun a while ago, and. Uh, we just never did. You know, we got the, uh, we got an RPG 
in one of our mystery boxes. And then uh, one of our guys bought a um, the uh, ICS six cylinder, or you know, the cylinder with the six shot uh, grenade launcher. Yeah. Yeah, one of our and, teammates uh, has a tag in set up with that. Literally, oh, nice. all six tag ins for it. Woo! Uh, taken out technical. Yeah. <laughs> I love those things. <clears throat> That's probably the one of the, uh, probably the favorite uh, ammunition, I guess, or weapon or whatever that I've, we've used on our channel is the uh, Tagen. The explosives and even the chalk rounds, they're so impressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I love the Archangels. I love the Reaper rounds. Uh, what, what's the new one? The Paladin rounds. The Palin, I believe it's the Paladin rounds. The ones oh, I haven't tried that. It's yeah. really good setup. Uh, the one thing that kind of scares me that just came out, though, these new Tagging mortars. At the end of the day, this is still a rocket that comes down from the sky. Like, I, I can understand why we haven't seen them in Milsom's here, because, I mean, if that drills somebody from the sky... You're going to get knocked out. If you're not wearing a helmet, it might even kill you. Like, it's it's a bit of a scary piece of equipment. Oh, I got to look this up. I haven't even oh, heard of it. Yeah, they, they post videos about it. And it literally yeah. comes down and blows up just like a tagging. I think it has a little <laughs> bit of a higher charge. But, I mean, if you're shooting this in the direction of players and it drills some person, oh I mean, they're, they're going down. <laughs> it's, it's inevitable. They are going down. And I think that's why it hasn't been pushed as much. Okay. Because I think it is... Potentially a little bit more dangerous than what right. they advertise it for. Well, the first time when we did the uh, review on our tagging, so it wasn't even ours. One of our guys that uh, had followed us from the beginning had got it, you know, picked it up. And uh, he messaged me one day, this is a couple years ago, says, uh, hey, I'm, I have a pistol that I need worked on. Uh, would you mind working on it for me? And so he sent me the pistol. He sent me the... Uh, the parts that he wanted, he was going to short stroke it. So, uh, so I did all that stuff for him and it was a custom pistol. This thing was badass, bro. He had a, made it a custom shop and when he got it, it didn't fire. So, uh, the nozzle, uh, and I can't remember the parts of the names right now or the name of the parts, but, uh, the nozzle where the BB feeds up in the bottom, uh, the hole wasn't cut out. Like it was a, it was a defective part. Like it was a solid piece. No shit. Like where your magazine goes up, the BB is supposed to go into the hole yeah. and feed into the, in front of the nozzle. That hole was missing. <clears throat> so I took this thing apart and I was like, what in the world? Cause I, I tried to fire it. You know, I was like, okay, was it's it not working. It was a high Kappa. Really? And, uh, and this thing was great looking, bro. He had this thing like custom made, custom, you know, made from the ground up this shop he had, you know, up North, uh, where he lived, uh, they sent it to him. He paid a huge amount of money for this gun. It was like chromed out. Plus the top, the slide was, uh, this really like pearlescent, like light blue, you know, it was really cool looking, but it didn't fire. So I was like, what the fuck? So I look in there, I finally took it apart and I was like, holy shit, duh. There's no fucking hole here for the BBs. So, um, so anyway, I, uh, I looked in, in our box. We had like eight pistols out there, you know, older ones we didn't use, but you know, they still worked. So I, I just swapped the part out. It worked fine. So then I put a short stroke kit in there. Well, anyway, in that same box, he sent me a tag in with a note saying, Hey, uh, if you guys want to do this, you know, review this on your channel. I was like, what? 
So he had the tag in, you know, that uh, mounts underneath your your uh, M4 or whatever. And then uh, he sent us, I think, one Reaper round and uh, and two, uh, or no, a dummy round and a chalk round. Anyway, we shot the dummy round, and we set this thing up. We have a video on our uh, channel that we reviewed all this, but uh, we were 200 and some feet away, 220 feet away. We set up tarps. So we had the camouflage tarps. I put them up, you know, we hung them up uh, over our shed, whatever. And I'm like, and, and my son Christian was like, uh, it might go through the tarp. And I'm like, what? No fucking way. I had never, by the way, I had never seen any videos, never had any information on tag ends. Didn't even, I never even heard of the word tag in, you know, that name until my buddy sent me that. So uh, I'm like, there's no way. Like, this is Airsoft, bro. They're not going to make this thing so powerful that if you shoot somebody, like, 20 feet away, it's going to hurt them. And he's like, uh, okay, just wait and see. I was like, oh, I was scary. like, and I'm sitting there on the video, like, just fucking with them. Like, okay, whatever, bro. Yeah, go ahead. We'll see. It'll probably drop and hit the ground before it hits the tarp. Holy shit. You could see, I actually had a, uh, so I was filming with my phone <clears throat> and we had a uh, GoPro sitting up facing us while he shot it and he shot it and it went, I mean, bro, it didn't drop. Okay. Straight through the tarp back in the woods in the kudzu gone forever. And I, I mean, I stood there like for like 10 seconds. <laughs> I was oh, yeah. like, Holy shit. That thing's awesome. And they only get crazier. So, I mean, yeah. you have just the pocket, right? Which actually here, give me one second. Yeah, go ahead. Well, if you have, so if you just have one of these, yeah. we've made 150 yard shots with this. 150 yep. yards, that's that's huge for airsoft. One and a half football fields. <laughs> now, if you take that and you put it into the grenade launcher that was built, that's rifled all the way through. Yep. We've seen almost 300 yard shots with a damn foam grenade. I believe it. That's nuts, man. That, you know, I would have never believed that. So far. I mean, the fact that we've seen people get hit by them, I mean, just. Wow, like I mean, it's they can really mess somebody up close range one. Yeah, but I mean, it's we've seen it completely tear shirts, set like small <laughs> scorch marks and stuff. Like yeah, is the size of watermelons. Like I mean, these, oh these my are, god, these are nuts. They are. Yeah, it's one of my. It, it was definitely my favorite uh, airsoft weapon we've had so far. You oh, know, yeah. most impressive. So we we actually so when we started that video, uh, we were trying to capture. <clears throat> the uh, explosive grenades like on film. So we set the camera like, I don't know, 20 yards back from the, the wall that we built and uh, it bounced off, went flying past the uh, camera. I was like, fuck. Okay. Well let's, let's try to dampen this thing, you know, like soften the blow. So it just kind of like drops in front so we can get the uh, explosion on film. So put like two tarps together uh, up on this table that we had standing up upright. Well, and we're shooting from 250 feet. Okay. That's almost a football field. This thing hits and bounces like 50 fucking feet behind the camera again. I said, bro, what in the hell? Like we keep moving back. It still doesn't. I'm like, dude, this thing is awesome. Well, anyway, we had that. We ran out of explosive rounds. We had to wait that video, that review video took two weeks to film because we had to order a whole nother uh, box of explosive rounds. It was like a hundred bucks and, uh, and wait for it to get shipped and, uh, and then finish the film a different day. 
So, uh, bro. But anyway, it was uh, when I was in the military, the two favorite weapons to shoot was the uh, the M2, you know, the 50 cal uh, machine gun. And then the uh, uh, the Mark 19, which was a, uh, you know, 40 millimeter machine gun grenade launcher. Yeah. Belt, belt fed. Uh, we call it the thumper, you know. But uh, but anyway, those are the two favorite things to shoot. But um, that tag in reminded me like when we started shooting it with those explosive rounds i was like yes this is the shit but then i was like bro there somebody's getting hurt with this thing <laughs> holy cow oh yeah and it's super aggressive and some of the builds that people have i mean at the at shot show they had that grenade launcher and they oh, okay. had set up four airsoft grenades yeah and for them to be able to do that means that they can put a tag in on it that would blow my mind. Having a semi-automatic just doof, 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 doof. Yes. That, that's absolutely crazy. The fact that our six-barrel grenade launcher, I mean, absolutely eradicates every technical on the field. Oh, yeah. Know, yeah. Oh, oh, you mean there's two Humvees around that corner? Oh, there was two Humvees. See ya. <laughs> yep. And then to have a semi-automatic version of that, belt-fed with like 30 rounds, that's a whole oh my God. ball game. You know, oh, that's I will, crazy. I will give you know, a thousand dollars and my minigun to somebody that wants to throw that on top of my, <laughs> you know, they, they can have that. I don't need a minigun at that point. Oh my God. Well, speaking of the uh, M2, is that a 50 cal behind you on the wall? It is. Uh, it's my HPA DMR. I got yeah. M82. Um, yeah, I'll bring it down. So it's actually, it's custom cut short barrel. It's a CQ, it's my CQB Barrett is what I call it, but it literally, yeah. that's the end of the barrel right there. In oh, okay. Inside, I'm actually running a VSR 10 uh, Devil Jet, but it's got the modified bucking for AEGs. The hop up I'm running in it is an Umbrella Armory red or blue. Sorry, it's blue, right? Yeah, blue. Yeah. And then it runs on a low, low cap one. Well, they're mid caps, but they're the tiny little M16 ones. Yeah. So, but it's it's a fun rifle. I'm running the Fusion engine in it. Um, I don't use it too much. It's still heavy. You know, it's, it's a oh, real yeah. heavy gun, but a lot of fun. Yeah, you got the nice-looking bipod on there and the suppressor. Oh, yeah. And then I run Monstrum scopes for everything, too. Uh, Amazon favorite. Honestly, they work real good on my real steels, too. Right. And uh, the one that's currently on that, that three times to, uh, I think it's 12 or 18. But oh, it comes wow. Built-in kill flash, and it's, it's absolutely What is that? So a kill flash, like if you're running a real steel scope, you know, it keeps from the glare coming back to your scope. It also oh, gotcha. keeps any, you know, sunlight from coming in and reflecting off the scope. The kill flash in Airsoft is made out of a strong enough metal where you can't damage the scope. Oh, nice. So I, I only buy scopes where I can get a kill flash for it. If I can't get a kill flash for it, it's not worth it. Same gotcha. with red dots, same with RMRs, yeah. anything like that. I mean, Amazon, you can look up scope kill flashes. You can find it for pretty much anything, and they're relatively cheap. It's like twelve bucks. Yeah, but twelve dollars is a lot better than killing your, you know, two hundred dollar hollow sun. Oh, sure. Or your eighty dollar fake holographic that you're in love with. You know, it's it's definitely worth the investment to kind of protect everything. Yeah. Um, actually, here I can show you a small one right here. So I have I run a side mount RMR M4. And there's the kill flash. Oh, nice. It just comes, clips right off. Oh, shit. That's everything. nice. Yeah. 
and it's it's a total total great investment when it comes to yeah that. for sure you no know, because this I mean it's a fake Trigicon. I use it honestly for love right but, uh, it's worth protecting it especially when I do want to use it. Well, yeah, a lot of people were using those uh, little pieces of flexi, uh, plexiglass, you know, the little plates that go on, you know, that mount on their, their rail or whatever, like a couple inches ahead of their uh, optic, you know, because for some reason, uh, optics are like BB magnets. I don't know how. Yep. This tiny little area is the thing that gets hit. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, what's cool, I mean, you can get those plexiglass setups. They're cool. They work. All right. They're not going to break. They're going to protect your lens. But it definitely looks funky. And if right. you're already running, if you're running scope cams and you're running all this other nonsense yep. on your gun to, you know, help you in the game, it, it looks weird. It's look, it looks bulky. You don't really like having it on there. You right. Know, sometimes it, it falls over depending on if you have one that flips forward or flips back. Yep. Um, eh, I, I, I didn't like that. That's why I like to kill flashes. And you can get cool. kill flash for almost anything, which is fun. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't have a lot of experience with optics. I, uh, you know, when I was in the military, it was, uh, iron sights all the way. We never had M4s. We had the, uh, A2, you know, M16, A2s, no, uh, no optics, iron sights. That was it. Uh, and then when I got out of the military, it was, um, you know, one of my favorite weapons was a, a Savage 110. It was a bolt action, 30 out six, uh, wooden stock, steel butt plate, fucking, uh, it'll wreck your shoulder trying to sight in a scope with a 20 round uh, oh. box of ammo. Okay. But, uh, I loved it. You know, it was one of my favorite weapons to shoot. And I put a, uh, I had originally, I had a three by nine, you know, really cheap scope on there. I switched to a, a Leopold, uh, six power. Now this is back in like 96. That's actually what and I have in my 22. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Okay. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah. I loved it, man. And I, uh, the day I went to sight that scope in that six power, uh, I went to my buddy's house and I forgot to pick up ammo. I was like, shit, I'm out of ammo. Cause I had, you know, I've been shooting it a lot. And, uh, so I stopped somewhere, some local store on the way to his house. The only thing they had left was 220 grain, uh, for 30 out six. So I'm like, cause I don't bro, like that's for, you know, hunting or whatever, not for sighting in your scope. Cause it's going to wreck your fucking shoulder. So, uh, you know, usually I like the 150s, and uh, so anyway, I got the 220s, I go over there, and I got to round 18, and I was like, okay, it's fucking close enough, I don't care, <laughs> I can't shoot these last two rounds, I was hurting. I don't have a lot of uh, uh, experience with optics on guns, you know, ever. It, it's personal opinion, I mean, if, if you like using an optic, awesome, if you like using iron sights, awesome. You know, yeah. I, I use iron sights on a lot of my real steels. Um, my home defense AR, I mean, it's it's iron sights, and then I have a canted thermal on it. <laughs> you know, oh, it's, shit. That's it's. I like that iron is sights. cool. But when it comes to airsoft, I do use a lot more dot sights. Um, you know, I, I I train myself to shoot with both eyes open and stuff like that. Right. It's, you know, I've been to real shooting classes. I have two range coaches on my team too that teach all my boys real gun. You know, real steel. Oh, hell yeah! And we train airsoft advocacy too where it's a little bit more uh you know unconventional and a lot more tuck in your shoulder and your elbow yep. in. yeah um, you gotta you gotta remember you don't always have to shoulder it perfectly you know it's we teach both ends of that too not yeah. much we've got a nice kill house out by us too that we just use for our team and that we is cool we real steel out by that as well you know, see that's all new shit to me too because when i was in we were learning you know look our stance was like 
elbows out every fucking where because we had the sling wrapped around our arm to like bring it tight you know and so we're like this <laughs> and uh all the new stuff you know is real you know no uh, low profile can. yeah you keep a smaller and, target yeah and I, even in the military still i mean they'll teach you pretty much to put that m4 right yeah dead center middle of yep. your chest and you're holding it like this yeah that's you, all new shit to me it or whatever it's you're given a lot more of a target now i understand why you know you have the body armor it's there right. to get shot I 100% understand why. Yeah. Now, where even with my JPC or even my home, my, my carriers, when I'm going out and, uh, you know, I'll wear a bulletproof vest sometimes, depending on where I'm going out, stuff like that. You know, some areas are a bit sketchy. I do travel a lot too, especially at work. And uh, I don't want to have nearly as much protection. Right yep. You know, and it's part of having a JPC. Yeah. You, know, you don't always have that side protection where yep. I'm sitting here talking to somebody where, I may have a result of an issue, you know, I'm going to have my chest exposed. Yeah. You know, it's, that's, what's going to save your life. Getting shot in the side is also going to hurt you a lot more than getting shot dead center in the chest. Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, so growing up, you know, fighting, I was in wrestling, football, fighting and, uh, fighting your stances, you know, you want a low, low profile target. So, you know, to hit, so you don't stand straight on and you want balance. So everything's on the side. Then the, in boot camp, you know, uh, you know, and then all four years in the Marine Corps, it's standing sideways to shoot with your elbows out, you know, and then uh, all this new stuff comes out with gun training is all, you know, facing forward, you know, quick, uh, I guess, transition from, you know, M4 to like dropping it with, you know, single point sling or whatever. And, uh, you know, maybe sidearm or something like that. And we never learned that stuff. You know, it was completely changed. Uh, all these channels I follow that, you know, real steel stuff. I'm like, I don't remember. We didn't learn that. Like, <laughs> you know, it was all different. And to be completely honest, you, you, you can meet a range coach from the military and they're going to teach yeah. you that way. And they're going to teach you how the military taught that. Yep. But if you really want to learn a very precise and clean way of shooting that is dead nuts on every single time, go to a three gun guy. He's yeah, the three exactly guns. Yep. How to shoot that gun yep. the way it's designed to shoot. Yeah. I mean, I, I did three gun for three years. I loved okay. it. I still do it for fun. I, I've never really did anything too competition wise, but I had some great teachers, great you know, great coaches. Yeah. Absolutely blast. But it, it teaches you a whole different aspect of shooting that you could you really couldn't imagine unless somebody's sitting there and showing you how to do it. A good good thing to watch would be like John Wick. You know, he yep. had multiple three gun shooters come up to him and he had amazing gun range coach, coaches and he went right. to some of the best in the United States to do his films. And I mean, they've really taught him how to do, be a competition shooter, not as right. much as a military style shooter. Yeah. Terran tactical, big one, you know? Yeah. And I actually, I run a Terran tactical as my sidearm for airsoft okay. and I have it set up with my three gun holster. I have a 1911 speed holster. It's, <laughs> He's talking to you, man. <laughs> right? Barrett wants to come down, I guess. Hell yeah. Well, it's like, show me off again. I mean, this is my holster right here. It's just this piece right here. Oh, shit. You can pull out that handgun up, down, forward, you know, diagonal, whatever you want. Clips oh, that's right awesome. in when you go down. Yeah. It makes your draw a lot quicker. Um, I, I posted up a small video where me and my boys were doing some, you know, speed shooting at a metal target with our airsoft guns. And we hit it from a couple different angles. 
And it really shows the aspect of how much better a draw can be with the different type of holsters you have. Yeah. Not to mention you're seeing a lot more pop shoot where a lot of my military guys will still draw from the hip like they yep. were in the military. It's just it's slower. You can see. Yeah, it's slower. way slower. Yeah. You know, especially having a vet on one side and a competition shooter on the other. Yeah, you know, for sure. Well, I mean, at my last duty station it was in uh, Camp Pendleton. I worked on a shooting range, Edson Range. And I worked with the range coaches. So we were, you know, I was out there on the range every day and it was, you know, it was all it, no pistol stuff. I did a combat pistol course, but, um, real basic, uh, when they switched over from the, uh, 1911 to the nine mil Berettas. And, uh, that was right before I got out because we, uh, we trained, we qualified with the, uh, Springfield 1911s when I was in or when I went in and, um, but most of our stuff on the range was, you know, the M16A2 and all these range coaches and stuff. So it was all the, all the snap in was, you know, with your sling wrapped around and, you know, to, it, it wasn't tactical. Uh, and they weren't even teaching CQB, you know, it was all long range, you know, we did all long range stuff, you know, so iron sights, even to this day, I could take an AR-15 or whatever and, uh, you know, five football fields, I'll put it in the black, you know, <laughs> with iron sights on a good day, as long as the wind's not fucked up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. See how but, that barrel is in that M16 too. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, those, uh, those basics, you know, stay with you for a long time, but all the new stuff, man, with the, the quick transitions and, uh, I love watching it. I love watching. I want to learn it, you know, uh, it, cause it's totally different from what I learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once you get the, the actual movements down, practicing it on it's so much easier with airsoft. Yeah. You know, where I use my airsoft 1911, where I go to my real steel 1911, I mean, it's it's night and day difference, but the weight's almost exactly the same. Right. You know, it, and that's just when it comes to shooting the actual target. You know, you're shooting a 45 over a 6 millimeter BB. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> recoil um, is everything, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, besides the recoil control, the draw is all the same. Yeah. I mean, the holster is the same exact thing, too. I mean, I just... I clip it and I unclip it. Same exact holster, same belt, everything. Yeah. You know, it makes it a lot easier. And that's if you want to go in the route of having your real steel match your airsoft too, which yeah. not everybody's going to do that, let alone. Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that do that with, in fact, I was just talking to a guy that uh, last week I posted his uh, podcast. And this is a guy, you know, just met recently. Uh, and on our video here, we just met, you know, just like you and me, he, um, he grew up, he had an older brother or a younger brother, sorry, who was, uh, you know, big into the sports and stuff. He was kind of like the, he's, he's like into art, you know, he's a graphic artist and, um, he was never into guns and he just recently started a YouTube channel and an airsoft channel, you know, or Instagram page, whatever for airsoft over the pan, you know, over the lockdowns last year, he bought a pistol just to shoot around his yard because he was bored. And once he started doing that, he was like, okay, I need to get something better. And then he's, then he, you know, now he's on a team playing airsoft all the time. He's like, you know, really into it, but that transitioned in, uh, you know, that interest transitioned into real steel. Now he, he, he would have never thought of buying a real steel gun until after he got an airsoft, which I think is really cool. Uh, you know, cause I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, people owning real steel guns. <laughs> so. well, the respect for real steel too. 
you oh know, yeah it teaches you to want to be more relaxed with a firearm yeah a lot of people i mean honestly that's what i was taught as a kid if you couldn't be too relaxed with a firearm a firearm is there it, it's there it can hurt somebody right you know, and being somebody i had my first firearm when i was nine years old nice. so i mean it was more or less you know oh i'm not gonna touch this until i go to the range where when i got into airsoft as the years went on i was just like oh i know it's not gonna go off i can trust my firearm Right. You know, I can sit here and have a magazine in it and know if it's not cocked and there's no bullet in the chamber, it's not going to yeah. go off. It can't hurt somebody. You know, and it's a big thing that a lot of, I feel a lot of people need to get past. You know, a gun's not dangerous. A person's dangerous. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like it should be, should be common sense to people. If they're going to own a piece yep. or they're going to own a weapon of any sort, take the time to learn how to use it. And I, I feel... I feel like I shouldn't have to say that. I know. know. A lot of big, you know, Second Amendment junkies like myself. I mean, we sit there and we hear some of these stories and it just blows my mind. Oh, we went out and bought this gun and all of a sudden I shot it and got a ticket because I shot, I accidentally fired my firearm. Well, then what'd you do cocking it, putting around in the chamber and then playing around with the trigger with the safety off? You know, if you didn't understand anything that I just said right there, why right? do you have a firearm? Like, how many steps do you have to go through to get that thing to fire, right? Like what you just said. There's a round in the chamber, you cocked it or whatever, you know, and then the safety's off. And you put your finger on the trigger. <laughs> I mean, you can see almost any of my, my photos, right? You go through anything on Instagram. Unless I'm in a firefight, that's the only time my finger's on the trigger. Everything else, it's like the whole time. And it's it's proper gun etiquette. I don't care if you're an airsoft. I don't care if you're a three-gun shooter. I don't care if you're just getting into firearms in general. Learn proper gun etiquette. Don't aim a gun at somebody. And Okay, we're airsoft players, all right? That's when you can aim a gun at somebody. In home defense, if that person is going to kill you, you have the right to aim that gun at somebody. But do not do it. Absolutely do not do it. I was at the range. This guy had a loaded handgun. Loaded handgun. And is just shooting it with his buddy. And for a photo, he puts this loaded handgun to his oh my head. God. And this range guy comes over and snatches it right out of his hand. Oh, bro. One, if I was that range guy, I would have been terrified to one touch that gun. Because the guy's finger was on the trigger. I believe it. I mean... What do you do in a situation like that? What, I accidentally go it, the guy goes to grab his own pistol, blows his uh, head off? I, dude. You know, the, the amount of stupidity. It just blows my mind. You know, it does. It's, it's not a fad, all right? It's self-defense. That's what's real firearms. It's not a yeah. fad. You know, the people, the, the, I've seen photos of gun buddies that do horrible gun etiquette. All right? Whether it's real or fake, you know, we don't want to see that. Nobody actually wants to see that. We don't want to see anything that even revolves around that. Yeah. Because you're teaching the wrong message to people to begin with. Not to mention, you know, other messages that you're spreading out there too. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing for me as well. That's I was just talking to somebody um, uh, on a recent podcast saying when I, you know, I got in the military. Uh, so I grew up, there. we weren't allowed to have guns in the house. You know, my parents were really against guns. In fact, when I was 12, uh, my dad got me a BB gun. My mom was pissed. You know, she was like, that's a gun. My dad's like, it's just a BB gun. It's fine. But uh, <clears throat> so I didn't have a whole lot of experience. I think um, 
I fired a real gun twice in, in my life before I went to uh, Marine Corps boot camp. And after I got out and we started having kids, I'm like, you know, this is important enough. Statistically, your kids are going to run into or come in contact with uh, a gun at a friend's house, wherever, uh, in their lifetime. Uh, it's important enough that, you know, and serious enough, deadly enough that they need to know, even if I didn't want them to have guns, even if I was against having guns in the house, even if, it's still my responsibility as a parent to teach them what to do if they do encounter that, just as if they were, you know, going to touch a hot stove or pick up a sharp knife. Like, what do you do with that? You know, uh, how do you avoid getting injured or hurting someone else? Driving a car, same thing. Uh, I, I kind of, that was all encompassed in the same kind of training from, you know, in my mind. So at five years old there, I'm teaching my kids how to shoot, you know, 22. Then when they were like seven or eight, I had them shoot my 38 revolver. You know, I'm helping them. I'm holding it for them, you know, I'm, but I'm letting them feel the recoil. I'm letting them feel, you know, experience this, this powerful weapon so that they go, oh, and they have that healthy respect of it, you know, later on. And, uh, and all my kids, have, you know, are very experienced with uh, weapons and, uh, you know, safety with uh, guns uh, all the time, all the time. In fact, when uh, Colton and Chris go to uh, NJP as well, their friend who, you know, all of us are on the channel, when they go to uh, Millsims and stuff, they come back and they're like, dude, the amount of uh, the, the lack of muzzle discipline and trigger discipline is insane. I'm like, yeah, parents, like dads aren't teaching their kids this, these basics when they're young. You and, know? and never, never assume that somebody that loves guns knows how to see. Ne no. That. Even no. when I'm handing, if I'm handing my personal firearm, like let's say I'm showing a buddy of mine, or uh, when I have my team meetings, my boys have this habit of everybody pulling out their conceal and carry and putting it on my counter while we're all sitting there drinking. <laughs> you know, like that, that's, it's normal. Right. But then we'll have new members come over, and we don't necessarily know what knowledge they have of etiquette. Right. And we'll sit there, and I'll just be like, hey, take the mag out. Make sure it's clear. That's what yep. you do when you hand the gun to that person. You don't know how used to no. firearms they are. You know, yep. if I'm handing or showing my piece to somebody, I'll clear it and take the mag out right in front of them. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. Before yep. you hand a weapon to somebody, you're supposed to clear it and then hand it to them. Without your finger on the trigger. <laughs> yeah. Your <laughs> you know? trigger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are, uh, you know, I think I think back in the day, like, you know, maybe when I was growing up, like my parents, you know, and, and their friends were, uh, there was a lot of veterans. You know, most people were in the military, coming out of the military. So uh, I think that was kind of uh, people that owned guns back then had some experience, you know, real training with them. And so they would teach their kids the safety stuff. And I feel like in the last 20 some years, that's not been the case. So there's a lot of, you know, parents that uh, don't have that training, but uh, well, really in this, especially in the last like two or three years with all the riots a few years ago, there's so many people that were anti-gun that started buying guns. They have no fucking clue how to handle it. <laughs> they're like, woo, <laughs> like, bro, stay the fuck away from me, yeah. you know? I mean, oh, yeah. it comes back to the concept, you know, you can, you can own a gun and you can know how to use a gun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's a guy on our channel, uh, or he has his own YouTube channel, Gunfather Milsim. He is, uh, 
you know, a SWAT officer, been, you know, on the SWAT team in uh, uh, some part of the country in another state for like a long time. And uh, he does most of his videos are about like weapon handling, weapon handling, uh, clearing rooms, CQB tactics, stuff like that. You know, that, you know, these are all things that you use in both CQB and real steel, like what he does on his job. And uh, it's, you know, he's got some really good information on there and he breaks it down as to why it's important. He was just talking about, you were talking about your holster and he just released a video a couple days ago. I was watching, uh, he talks about the same thing. Like your holster is just as important or even more important than the, you know, an airsoft as the gun you're using because, uh, you know, being able to draw that quickly is the whole point of having that sidearm and, uh, you know, getting used to that with, you know, practice and practice. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of stuff that, you know, you guys would get along great as far as the, uh, you know, the training with that, uh, and what you're talking about with real steel, you know, and transitioning over to, uh, airsoft, you know, and I was talking to somebody else about the, um, the barrel socks, like some of these States have, uh, rules from their airsoft field that you have to have a barrel sock, uh, when you show up, you know, on the end of your, rifle i guess and uh i'm not sure about I, I doubt pistol because it's usually in the holster but um you have to have it on the rifle and that rule came about because of accidental discharges because people are fucking dumb yep. like they don't have you know like they're walking around like oh oh yeah what's going on oh shit sorry the field i grew up at had that and honestly yeah. i found it bizarre because when i moved to wisconsin it didn't, wasn't a thing barrel socks didn't exist you know, yeah. it was an open field. It didn't matter. You know, you kept your mag out. You threw in your mag when you started the game. And that's pretty much the universal rule of here in Florida, minus a couple spots. Like, uh, I believe Miami indoor, you still have to have a barrel sock. I know a clear water, airsoft, and paintball, you still have to have a barrel sock. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like at BTA, it's nothing. You could have your mag in, you could have your battery in, you could have a fully loaded weapon, and... From the time you leave your AO to the time you get on the field, you have a loaded weapon. Yeah. You know, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of people of watching other people to make sure that accidents don't happen. Right. Now, I don't necessarily agree with it, and they do try to enforce to keep at least the mags out, uh, but it, it's real hard because, I mean, a lot of the right. time we have 100 people at the field. I was going to say, yeah, volume, you know, so many yeah. people. And when you only have four refs, I mean, it's – hard to keep it up. Yeah, I understand those barrel sock rules. I don't like rules uh, in the first place, uh, especially unnecessary ones that common sense would actually fix, you know, instead of having a law or a rule. But uh, but the barrel sock one, I still don't like it. Uh, I, I understand where it comes from. I understand why they, you know, fields have to have it. Uh, but I just wish people would take more responsibility for uh, teaching their kids the basics when they're young. <laughs> so they wouldn't have this issue, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're playing airsoft, you should know gun etiquette. Yeah, for sure. Flat out. I mean, yep. you still have potential weapon in your hand. You yeah. can still shoot somebody's eye. You can still, yeah. you know, potentially hurt somebody with some of these firearms. Or not yeah. firearms, but airsoft. So, I mean, you should already know the etiquette. You shouldn't be going on the field unless you know the etiquette. And it's just as simple as don't point your gun at somebody. If you're not in the game, right. don't do it. You know, yep. if you're not on the field, you don't need a magnet. There's no reason to have a loaded magazine. You know, you should never have your finger on the trigger unless that game starts. Yep. Matter of fact, you shouldn't have your finger on the trigger unless you're engaging a target. 
bro, how many times, you know, in the, in like woodland games, is somebody tripping over a tree root and going down or almost going down, you know, and trying to catch themselves. And when you do that, you clench up. Like if your fingers on the trigger, bro, that's what you're squeezing. Yep. It's just, it's just, you know, that's a natural <laughs> response. <laughs> like keep it off of there and you that won't happen, you know? Yep. I actually had yeah. somebody comment on one of my videos because my uh, Crytek LMG behind me has a Titan. Yeah. And it's got a ball bearing trigger. It's extremely Ooh. sensitive. Nice. And the issue was, is uh, I stubbed my toe in the video and it shot yeah. three rounds. And uh, somebody actually took the time to put a comment in there of why I shouldn't have had my finger on the trigger. Yeah. I literally had to release a video saying, watch this. I'm going to knock on my gun and shoot three rounds. And it was so sensitive. Oh. Me doing the heavier part of the vibration anywhere right. at that receiver shot the gun. And this was an issue because I, I did not tune it properly for that game. And gotcha. that was my fault. But right. I did only put the mag in for that game. I had to explain it and to tell – I made a small video showing how dangerous some of these tunings can be. You know, it's not necessarily something you want to have that sensitive. I, I sure as hell didn't. I didn't think yeah. that it was when I replugged in my battery until I walked on the field. Right. But there, there was a way to tune it down. Now it's – I mean, obviously, now it's tuned way down. This is years past. But you I'll can make to, some uh, I'll have to check that video out. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know you could do that with your yeah. trigger. Okay. Some of these AEG triggers, I mean, the Titan gates, I mean, it's a laser. You know, you put anything that interferes with that laser, that, your gun goes off. Which oh, see, I I've never worked on those. Okay. Oh, really? It's yeah. honestly, I tell people to stay away from it. Is it a cool concept? Yes. If you're a speed softer and you're not outdoors a lot, right. cool, go for it. But the issue is, what happens when you accidentally drop that gun in sand? Right. Sand gets everywhere. I've had sand in that gearbox, and all of a sudden, it'll fall and shoot by itself. Oh, you know, okay. I'll, I'll pick the gun up, and it'll shoot by itself. Yeah. You know, it's systems like that that make it real sketchy, because it can't happen. Huh. So I, I even had a, a gear split in it one time. And that gear, you know, the whatever sliver was in there, was bouncing yep. around in the gearbox. And oh, every shit. time it went in front of that laser, that gun went off. Whether it was oh, on semi-full or yeah. semi, you know, safety, it still went off. That's crazy. Okay. So Interesting. You'll have to look at, I'll have to watch some of those videos uh, from your channel. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. But uh, I, that, now the clip that I'm talking about, that was on, uh, what was it, Instagram. I made a real small clip about it just to explain. Because yeah. that's when Titan Gate did more or less just come out. And it's, it, they're not easy triggers to install. I mean, once you yeah. use it, but it's not bad. But I don't recommend it for the safety part of it. Gotcha. Uh, not saying it's completely unsafe, but if you're a Milsom player and you are in right. multiple different types of terrain, it's yep. not something I would suggest. Right. And it does not take water. I mean, if it's raining, I'm terrified. To yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you can't turn it off until you pull that battery. Oh, Jesus. Battery. Yeah. You know, that LMG specifically, I got to remove two Allen keys to get to that battery. So. Oh, God. It's, yeah, it's well, not, just point it to the ground until the uh, mag empties. Yeah, right? <laughs> just remove the mag and just toss the gun somewhere. Yeah. yeah. No shit. That's funny. So you said uh, you were in Wisconsin. Are you from Florida or? So I'm originally from Wisconsin, but I've lived in Florida okay. most of my life. Yeah. Um, I played airsoft when I was in Wisconsin. I was with um, three percenters Milsom team. Did uh, a lot of cool. They did video editing that kind of got me more into the content creating uh. part of it. 
Yeah. Where I was like, oh, you know, I love these videos. I'm, I'm definitely, I want to become a content creator off of them. Um, and that's really where I, it started for me was watching them do that. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, the North has amazing milsoms and beautiful AOs. Yeah. Where the, the South has more, you know, flat land, not as much terrain. But definitely, right. you know, you have some locations that you just don't get in the North, too. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, more months out of the year that you can play because yeah. the weather. I mean, we play year-round. You know, we play rain, sun, anything. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. You know, they, yeah. they even closed it for the beginning of one of our hurricanes, and we still went out there. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – so what brought you, brought you back to uh, Florida? It's my home. I love it here. Gotcha. Uh, with being in, into Airsoft as much as I am, you know, I own my own Nelson company. I, huge 28-person team. It's more – I more options. You know, there's 12 fields here. Or, no, eight, eight this year. So there's eight yeah. fields here. You know, COVID shut down some of the smaller fields. Right. And, uh, the community shut down one of the fields two years ago due to safety issues. You know, it's the community is really supportive here. It's really out there for the kids. It's really out there to inspire people. You know, you have Georgia just right across the border that has some amazing fields. Like there's a Nuketown field based on yes. the Call of Duty map. Uh, yep. I haven't been there yet. I heard. Phenomenal. Yeah, we're not far from there. I want to. Yeah, we want to go there. I was saying, you know what? Maybe we have to meet halfway, you know. I know. <laughs> I yeah, well, Atlanta's, uh, Atlanta's two hours from us. Uh, GTA, I think, was 12 hours when we went to GTI. Yep. And then Firestorm, I think, was 14. It was it was like 13 or 14. It was a little further for us. Okay. Unless I have the two mixed. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, my cousin lives in uh, Ocala, uh, Florida. And oh, uh, he's come up here Wayne's a couple World times. Out there. Wayne's World is an amazing field, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Ocala's got Wayne's World. Um, I think Holy Cows is out towards that area, too. Uh, real, real nice, pretty fields. A lot of terrain. Uh, the vegetation is nice, especially saying they have a CQB part of it too. Yeah, you know, more of a city built out. I got, I have a couple of videos of Wayne's World. Um, personally, I, I don't go out there too much because it's yeah. just as far for me to go out there as it is to BTA. And you know, we we help out a lot of BTA. You know, that's really our home. Field. Right. And then most of my teammates live between twenty minutes and an hour from that field, so it just happens to work out mostly. Right. So, and we go out every two weeks, you know, we play every two weeks, we train every two weeks. Yeah. Uh, we have Milson meetings every two weeks. So we, we keep very well in tune with everything. Well, it sounds like you're jamming on this, uh, you know, in the airsoft, your team and your videos and editing and your company, uh, you know, with the Milson stuff. And you're obviously traveling for it. Uh, you know, that that's uh, really cool. You got a lot going on, man. I appreciate it. And it's fun. Uh, you know, I, I hope it inspires other players. Because, I mean, without new players coming in, you know, our, our sport eventually won't be around. So, yeah. I mean, anything that can keep people wanting to do it. You know, I can't tell you how many kids come up to us. Oh, I've seen this and this. And I've seen this and this. Yeah. And it's so nice to meet you guys. And, I mean, some I've met a lot of pro airsoft players. Where they're absolute dicks. Yeah, I don't I'm get sure. It, man. I don't get it. You know, you you were that kid at one point. You know, you were that one kid looking at that one player. Yeah. And you saw it that inspired you to that point. How could you be a dick to somebody coming up to you? Yeah. You know, we weren't. We went out to a line club. And a good buddy of mine was playing with me when I was back in three percenters. And uh, I'm not going to say any names. Huge YouTuber. Okay. 
And it was, was in the middle of a firefight. It was the middle of an event going on in the Milsom where people were alert. But he, you know, walked up to him. Hey, you know, so nice to finally meet you. I've seen all this content. And he cussed him out. He blatantly cussed out my buddy. And I'm just like, wow, you really are a dick. Like, you, I'm, I'm a YouTuber, and I just lost all respect for you right there. Yeah. I'm like, I really hope that your helmet can't pick that up, and I really hope you post that. <laughs> to me, that is absolutely horrendous. You know, and I run yeah. into that a lot. Like, it shouldn't be that way. No. That's kind of surprising. I've not, I've not heard that before. Uh, most of the people... Well, everyone I've met uh, in the airsoft community, you know, that uh, we've met, you know, through our channel, through watching other, you know, videos. I mean, obviously, you know, with editing, you know, you don't know all the all that that goes on. But uh, from almost everything I've heard, you know, guys like Swamp Sniper, like he is all about the community and, you know, bringing people together. True fact. Swamp Sniper is huge about the community. You know, he practically runs his field over there. You right. know, he brings in the business that inspires other people. That's yeah. what it's worth. I mean, to me, huge respect for that guy. I try doing the exact same thing by just bringing yep. in as many people as I can to inspire them to come out and play. Right. That's what it's all about. All right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you don't play this sport not to have people to shoot at. And the only way you get people to shoot at is by <laughs> No shit. Well, that's, you know, that I guess, you know, you you have to you have to have more targets. Like I was just talking about this in uh, one of the other podcasts just last week. Like uh, the airsoft community is, you know, most people I've met, they're really cool. They want, you know, it's one of the few uh, sports or whatever that the veterans are excited about the new players. Like they're not shitting on them. They're not like you know putting them through a bunch of shit just to you know weed out the weak ones or whatever you know they're they're kind of like hey man here's what you do here i'll show you how to do this oh your gun broke here i got an extra one you know like that happens quite often and uh it doesn't happen in a lot of other you know venues or whatever so uh but one of the big reasons is we want more people on the field like i was just telling my buddy like i remember playing paintball where we'd go to a field and there was five of us Oh yeah, and there's no one else. Like, oh, yeah. bro, that fucking sucks. <laughs> and honestly, I, as bad as it sounds, I feel spoiled because we go to our home local field, and there's a hundred people there. Yeah, you know, our, our lowest count that we normally get is seventy people. <laughs> That's but, so good. But then you play that field a million times, just like a map on Call of Duty. Right. You play that, it gets boring, and it's right. not that the field's boring. It's just that the repetitive part. Yep. And I have footage where it's just like I, I could release that. But it's the same thing over and over and over again. Yep. You know, it's the same lines and it's the same positions. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. It, it all looks kind of the same after a while. Yeah. But then I'll go to another field and there'll be 20 people or yeah. 10 people. And then you're just like, wow, what am I doing here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this big area. And uh, where is everyone? <laughs> yeah. Where's the target? <laughs> you have this 20-acre field and there's... 10 people here, you know? Like, oh, yeah. And then everybody's wondering why the game's lasting an hour and you've only gotten two kills. Yeah, no you shit. Know? It's like the old days of, uh, you know, some of the original, like, Halos and when they first started coming online and the uh, server would go down, but you're the only one left and you're like, what happened? Yeah. And then, like, 30 seconds later, you're like, oh, okay, it crashed. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to shoot at. <laughs> oh, shit. 
Well, listen, man, it's been awesome to talk to you. Great to meet you. Um, I am really impressed with all the, all the shit you got going on with uh, your channel. And I had no clue you were running the, the team and the, the patches, like all you guys stuff you have doing or you have going on and doing all the editing and stuff. So, uh, it's, it's cool to meet somebody that's, uh, spent as much time as me on editing. Not that I've spent more than, you know, a lot of these other airsofters, but you understand the amount of work that goes into it is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, where can people find you online? So, I mean, you can go on to TikTok, TikTok, Toxic, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I hate it. But yeah. uh, it's, I got a lot of clips on there. It's all a bunch of short clips. If you want to see that, if you're just looking to kill some fast time. So that's uh, House of Jackals Milsom is on there. Facebook, it's House of Jackals Milsom. Uh, Instagram, it's Jackals Milsom Official. And it's Jackals underscore Milsom Official if you're trying to look it up. Um, my personal page, if you go into any of our posts, you can see each individual teammate in their pages and it'll be call sign, whatever their call sign is. And then official. Yeah. so like, uh, if you're look, trying to look for me, it's call sign death official. And then if you're trying to look for us on YouTube, it's house of Jackson Milson on there as well. Awesome. Well, man, it was uh really good. Great to meet you, Matt. Well, I appreciate it, Eric. It was nice meeting you too. I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anytime, let me know. I'll come back. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a good night, bro. Yeah, you too, brother.